I'd like to to consecrate this teaching tonight in a special to the Holy Spirit. And I ask him to to really guide us and deeper each of us to live in the spirit of love that St. Paul so beautifully speaks to us about in his letter to the Galatians. Amen. I'd like to, to review a minute because this is the second part of the teaching I think we had four weeks ago. And it was about St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 8, where St. Paul reprimands a man of the Christian community in Corinth that was with the wife of his father. And he also reprimands the Christian community in Corinth. And we focused on a few words of St. Paul in that teaching where he says, Ought you not rather to mourn? And we focused on the groans. The beautiful thing that happened after that teaching was Juan Carlos spoke to the men the following week and again focused on the groans. We had in that first teaching Daniel speak to us of the groans. And last week at Seneca, Hector gave us a beautiful reflection on his experience of the groans. That's very important because nothing that happens is our plan, but the plan of God. So the Holy Spirit guided this community in that way because he really wanted us to enter deeply, deeper and deeper, into the prayer, into the life of living in the groans of Christ. I would like to say a few things of the groans before I go on, and that is in, in a special way for those that are new in our community that have begun their process of discernment, those that have not been living the path as long as some others. There is a part of the path that is very important for every mother and missionary of the cross, every person discerning to enter. And that is the pure pain of our core wounds. Those wounds we suffered a long time ago of rejection or abandonment, not being loved, affirmed, whatever the wound was, as children, we could not process that deep pain. So we buried it. And an important work of the Holy Spirit in his formation that he gives us to become victims of love, one with Christ crucified, is to little by little bring us back to live that pain that sorrow. And one of the reasons why it's so important is because we cannot enter the groans, which is the deepest sorrows of the sacred heart of Jesus, 
without coming to experience the deepest sorrow of our human heart. And it is actually coming and entering the deepest sorrow of our human heart that the Holy Spirit then unites us through our own pain to know and experience the pain of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So I encourage all of you to do that work with your accompaniment. St. Paul reprimands the people of Corinth because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew that they were living in a certain spirit of criticism and not in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of love. At the deepest recesses of our hearts are our intentions. The sword of the spirit, Jesus Christ, desires to expose our true intention, to become naked to ourselves and God. An intention that is no longer veiled with falsehood. As Psalm 119 tells us, remove from me the way of falsehood. What is falsehood in each of us? It is the lies we have come to believe. It is our disordered desires. Falsehood is the fears that we continue to live with. And what St. Paul calls malice and evil. That's the pride, the self-will, all of that that is in the human heart. The episode from the life of St. Paul reveals his intentions of heart and those of the Christians in Corinth. St. Paul acting in Christ as the sword of the spirit exposes the intentions of the people and at the same time witnesses pure love as a man transformed in Christ. Pure love always brings us to love the soul more than ourselves. Therefore, we're willing to expose the true intention. So I would like to focus on this part of our hearts. The spirit of love versus the spirit of the world. And here we learn a great deal from St. Paul in his letter to Galatians chapter five. St. Paul tells us what the spirit of love is. He says in verse 22 to 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I sat in my holy hour yesterday pondering all of these. And what I started to do was memorize them, all nine of them. And I encourage you to do the same. 
to memorize these nine virtues, these attributes of God himself, so that we can grow more and more in each of them. Go one by one in prayer before the Lord. Ask yourself, do I lack this? Do I lack this? Why? In verse 26, he tells us also, he continues, what is the spirit of love? He says, let us have no self-conceit. Well, what is that? That is living in our ego. No provoking of one another. No envy of one another. When we live more and more in the spirit of love, we live with ordered tendencies. For example, what St. Paul calls sincerity and truth. A person that's healthy, that's living in the spirit of love is a person that can be transparent, open and fully exposed to Christ. A person that is able to mourn with tears for our personal misery and for that of others. Hector last week said something beautiful. He said, in the pure groans of Christ, there is no criticism, murmuring, envy, resentment, but only love. Another ordered tendency when we live in the spirit of love is silence, the right kind of silence, not the silence of hiding. So then what is the spirit of the world? Well, St. Paul teaches us about this also in Galatians chapter five, verse 19 through 21. He says, now the works of the flesh are plain, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, that is promiscuous, that is a disorder, a sexual disorder. For example, in that licentiousness can come masturbation, pornography, all of that. He goes on to say idolatry, sorcery, enmity, Enmity is the state or feeling of hostility. Do you know when you would say, I'm in a bad mood or this person is in a bad mood? Many times those bad moods are a state that we enter of hostility. That's enmity. St. Paul talks about strife. What is strife? It's angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues. We're seeing a whole lot of strife in our country of the United States right before our elections of November 3rd. He goes on to tell us jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension. What is dissension? It is disagreement that leads to discord. How 
Many times do we live dissension in our families, in our communities, in the church. And then he says, also the party, the party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing. What disordered tendencies come forth from us when we're in the spirit of the world? St. Paul calls them malice and evil, such as murmuring, gossip, hiding, separating ourselves, complaining, criticism, control, talk too much, judgments without mourning, and on and on. The hypocrite, as we've learned in this community, because there is hypocrisy in all of us, has the spirit of the world, but pretends to be in the spirit of love. He keeps his intentions hidden, even from himself, and of course, from God. He lives in denial and therefore stuck in his own darkness, chained in his own lie. He is unable to be set free. That's why Father Canta La Mesa, when we had the teaching on hypocrisy, wrote that when we see hypocrisy in ourselves, is when it ceases to be hypocrisy. What did the Lord teach us? That is at the beginning of the path. The Lord said to us, live wrapped in the gift of self-knowledge. Live wrapped in the gift of self-knowledge. The Lord was showing us that we will never here on earth, if we're growing in holiness, if we're moving more and more in the spirit of love, we will never stop receiving self-knowledge. And in this way, we are called to live, listen carefully, in a permanent state of repentance. In order to live in the groans of Christ, we must live in the groans of our misery. A litmus test to know if we are truly living the simple path led by the Holy Spirit is whether or not we find ourselves more and more in a permanent state of deep repentance. The sorrow of our hearts knowing and suffering our misery is expressed in continuous groans. When we sit before our Lord in adoration and the tears of our hearts swell to the surface because of our inability to love unconditionally with pure intentions, then we have come to know the groans of Christ for us and are able to live his words, receive my tears. I invite you to go back and listen to that teaching again. I had the blessing of listening to it last week. When I talk about a permanent state of repentance, 
I'm not speaking about guilt. It's a beautiful state of humility. The permanent state of repentance is that the Holy Spirit has brought us into true humility, where we live knowing, knowing our weakness, knowing our misery, knowing how we're constantly moving in the spirit of the world. And the deepest repentance, the sorrow of this permanent state of repentance is that we find that we do not have the capacity to love our beloved Jesus Christ the way he deserves to be loved, the capacity to love others unconditionally without the grace of God. That permanent state of repentance is the groans for our own misery. And that permanent state of repentance brings us to live dependent constantly on the grace of God because it is impossible for me to love without the grace of God. But believing that nothing is impossible in Christ. What do we learn from these two places that St. Paul takes us to? The spirit of love versus the spirit of the world. It's the battle in each of us. All of us have the spirit of the world, and we also have the spirit of love. Living the path takes us more and more out of the spirit of the world to live more and more in the spirit of love. And that is why we can never separate ourselves from humanity. We cannot read Galatians 5 and see others in the category of the spirit of the world and ourselves in the category of the fruit of the spirit. This is hypocrisy. We must live in the knowledge that the spirit of the world is in each of us and that even if we have grown greatly in the spirit of love, we can easily fall back into the spirit of the world because this is our misery. So there are some questions I placed in this teaching for you to help us expose the condition of our hearts to ourselves. The first is, is it difficult for me to confront others with truth, to be sincere and transparent? If so, specifically with who and why? The second question is, when the sins and disorders in others wound me, do I feel intense sorrow for them? Or is my tendency to judge, condemn, get angry, resentful, frustrated, or separate myself from them? And this question is very important, I just added. Am I able to see that same sin in the other person that wounded me in myself. I had a beautiful anointed accompaniment with a sister in our community yesterday, and she entered the deep wound of her boss at work that for so long has been 
in his arrogance, in his pride, in his seeking power, constantly criticizing her, ignoring her, humiliating her, putting her down. And she entered profound that wound. She entered her disordered tendencies of where she went with that wound. But then came the greatest grace of the Holy Spirit in this accompaniment. She looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, Lourdes, that same sin I've been so wounded by has also been my sin. I did the same thing years ago at work to others. I was full of pride. I was full of wanting power. I was controlling and harsh with others. And she entered the groans and the tears of repentance. You see, my family, when we're able to see our own sin in the same sin that pierces out in others, and we are confronted with the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the mercy that God has had with us, with me, then I am able to process and I am able with the fruit of the Holy Spirit to love that person also by having patience, gentleness, tenderness, kindness. It is a powerful experience and one that the Holy Spirit just really highlighted for me in this beautiful accompaniment. And finally here, I want to mention freedom because St. Paul speaks in Galatians 5 about freedom. And we hear so much about freedom, especially now in the United States during this time of elections. But in general, our understanding, the world's understanding of freedom is not true freedom. St. Paul in Galatians 5.1 says this, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. What is slavery? Slavery is the spirit of the world. All of those disordered tendencies, all of those lies, we are enslaved. We are enslaved. That's why we say we're all oppressed. So what is true freedom? It is living more and more in the spirit of love. St. Paul explains it to the Galatians this way. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How then do we arrive to live in freedom? By crucifying our flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5.24. The first nail of crucifixion in our simple path. Go back to the retreat of this year. We had said this is not a retreat even of a month or two months. 
This is the retreat for this entire year. Go back. What are the passions? What are those desires of the world that we still have that we have to die to? What are those passions? What are those desires that are even good that we have to die to? Because they are not in the will of God. My family, the Lord has blessed us with many anointed teachings. We can receive them like tonight and understand them in our minds. But they don't become flesh of our heart until we struggle to live them. This beautiful sister in the community looked at me with tears in her eyes last night and said, Lourdes, how can it be that I have been in this community for so many years and I did not see this in my heart, this wound, the infection, my disorders? I can speak to other members of the community and I can guide them and accompany them and give them all this light. Yet for me, I got, I didn't see it. And I said to this beautiful sister, because it happens to all of us. When we are in pain, like in labor pains, we need a coach because in the pit of our wound, we don't see it. We don't see our disordered tendencies. That's why we need community. That's why we need accompaniment to help us see what we cannot see. That is one of the most beautiful graces that God has given this community. And I'm going to end now by finally getting to our prophetic mission to warn and awaken God's people. And it's beautiful that the Lord wanted me to finally get to the ending of this teaching tonight, when in today's gospel and yesterday's gospel, Jesus is coming down hard on the Pharisees and the scribes. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. My community, as mothers and missionaries of the cross, we have been entrusted a prophetic mission. Jesus has asked us not only to pray for others, but also to warn them and to bring to light the darkness that Satan wants to keep hidden. There is a passage from Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 7 through 9, that is very, very important. Ponder it carefully in prayer. It says, so you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. I shudder to think of myself 
I come to tears every time I read this because I have to honestly, before God, look at myself because he has spoken powerful and serious words to me. And I have to honestly ask the Lord, have I been faithful? Have I warned all the people you have wanted me to warn? Or have I backed off as a coward because of fear of being rejected or misunderstood? I will share a few messages that you have in your notes. This is only a few. In the year 2010, on Memorial Day, the Lord gave a very serious message to me for the United States of America. He said, you, my nation of the United States of America, have forsaken me, your God. You have made materialism your God. You have made yourselves your own God. You have slaughtered my innocent little ones and their precious blood cries out to me. You have turned your face from me. Now I will turn my face from you during the time of the great chastisement. My daughter, raise up my army of holy ones. You must speak my words of warning, for I, your Lord and your God, loves you. You must tell them to open their eyes to love crucified, to unite themselves to love crucified. For it is only in this way that the power of my cross will triumph over the evil that prevails. The Lord has asked me and each of you to raise up this little army to fight this decisive battle. In 2011, he said, you will go out with Father Jordy to speak the truth of all that I tell you, warning my people and calling them to repentance before the time of my visitation. You will call them to enter the safety of my cross, which is the only place they are safe from, the darkness that surrounds them and wants to consume them. In 2011, our Lord asked me to read Jeremiah 6. And then he said, my daughter, it is time for all my chosen prophets to come to the light. You have been chosen, handpicked by the Father for these decisive times. I lament the justice of God before you. The time of the great and horrible destruction is near, yet few are prepared. My chosen prophets will suffer greatly. Are you willing to speak my words, my daughter? Are you willing to be crucified as one with me? The time is near, yet the world sleeps. My chosen sons called to shepherd my people to safety slumber 
in the sin of their sloth and arrogance. My daughter, the path to new life is very narrow. It is the wood of my cross. I desire for you and father to warn my people, especially my sons, of the destruction that is at hand and call them to awaken through repentance of their many sins. Call them to be my victims of love. Call them to martyrdom for love of me. Call them to holiness. My daughter, few will listen, but you are called to be my voice in this wilderness. Have Father and I been obedient to this calling of the Lord? Have you? In 2010, the Lord speaks of the missionaries of the cross. And he says, they will bring to light the darkness hidden deep in the hearts of my chosen sons. They will preach my love and mercy while there is still time, calling each of them to repentance. And I want to end in 2012 on the feast of St. Paul of the Cross, the message that was given to the entire community of love crucified. Listen carefully, because this is our prophetic mission. The Lord said, I have formed you, speaking of love crucified, trained you, dressed you to be my prophets of light, to warn and awaken my people before the horrible day of judgment comes down upon you. There will be wailing, groaning, and grinding of teeth in your streets. The darkness of evil will cover you. Be prepared when these things happen that I speak to you about. Do not let the thief catch you unprepared. Believe you are my people, my little ones held in the father's palm. Believe that I am one with you, the light in the world, my living hosts. Believe so that my light can shine through you to penetrate the darkness consuming the world. Believe in the power of God working through his hidden force. Love and continue to suffer all as one with me in my sacrifice of love to enter prepared with God's armor, the fiercest battle that is at hand. Do not be ashamed of my words and share the treasure of heaven that has been entrusted to you with many. That is the simple path to union with God. Complete my path as my heralds of hope. Teach it from the housetops. This is your mission. Respond with great zeal and courage of heart as my warriors of love for these decisive times. The Lord wanted this to come at the end of this teaching 
because in order for us to speak the truth as St. Paul did, as Jesus did, which at times can be very difficult and hard to hear, we have to be men and women that mourn first. We have to be men and women that groan our own repentance. We have to be men and women living more and more in the spirit of love. So like St. Paul, when we warn and awaken people, it is from the spirit of love, not the spirit of the world. I end this teaching with a prayer. My Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on each of us, your little ones. Thank you for choosing each of us, knowing that we are the Anna Wims, knowing the immensity of our weakness. Thank you for leading us through this most incredible path. The blessing we have received from you. Receive as a community our tears of repentance, first and foremost for ourselves. And through these tears, my Jesus, grant us courage during these times, but courage seeped in love, in love of you and love for souls, the courage that will take us to die, to desire the cross as one with you, solely for the salvation of others. I beg you, grant us courage. Amen. <laughs>